All right, y'all, welcome back to the Emerging Evolution Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about social-centric communalism. And if you are a fan of our side jaunts, you're going to love this one. Mm. Because it's really hard to, to give you enough of a structure to stay within. So we're going to be running all over the place. Yummy, yummy. So all we need to do is make sure we keep track of time for Sarah. <laughs> But so today we are going to talk about our social centric communalism. The, the main things we're going to go around is the first idea that it's a dream and a vision. It's not necessarily a place. That it is a, both a science as well as a philosophy. Yes. And it's probably a religion too. If you're uncomfortable with that, I'm sorry, but we're not going to dogmatic that thing to death. We're going to talk about that it requires new language and a new uh, value system that has to be ever evolving and auditing itself. We're going to talk about anti-dystopianism. Mm. And then the last one, our last area, is we're going to say we, Calvin and I, don't know exactly what this is. We don't have the answers. We're kind of pointing in a place we're walking to. Yes. But we don't know what it is. Building the plane while flying. Yeah. Like, in the, when I talked about it, I was like, I'm going to take the baton as far as I can get. Yeah. And then I'm going to pass it to someone who hopefully knows. Now, we have tried some shit that works. Yes. Right. Yes. That but we, can but, talk but about we that. still don't know. Yeah. We have some evidence. Yes. Yes. But if you think we know, and you want to start acting mm. like we know, and mm-hmm. like asking us questions like we know. Nope. We are going to fail you so hard, so fast. No experts here. No. We're just smart enough to know we don't know. Word. So... With that, let's get started on the tangential. And you are Rowdy the... That's right, I'm the inclusive activist. And I am Calvin the Drapedomaniac. Yeah. And we want to say before we continue, yep. fuck dystopia. Yes. <laughs> fuck this dystopia. <laughs> it's a shirt. We're making a shirt. <laughs> Damn right. All right, so trying to tell people about what this is. So, okay, social centric. That's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Not Eurocentric, not Afrocentric, not Native centric, social centric. Mm-hmm. First of all, is a prelude to Euro or not Euro, ecocentric. Mm-hmm. And ecocentric is where the Earth is centered. So, social centric is the idea that our interconnectedness, our relationships with all things, is the center of everything for this philosophy. And for those of you that are like, wait a minute, I don't love, like, I'm not a tree hugger. Like, what's going on with that? Like, you got to remember the salinity level of, like, your blood and the salinity level of the sea are, like, stupid close together. Your largest organ is skin. Yeah. comes in multiple layers, just like Earth's atmosphere down to its crust. It is conditioned by the air around it. And you will change, what is epigenetics? That is a alter to your DNA, your genetics based upon the environment right so when we're talking about us and connecting it to land we got to understand we are really deeply connected to the spaces and places that we live especially when we do it for longer periods of time and deeper than just what the animal senses can measure Mm -hmm. but the energy the histories the stories the human sociology you know that's 
love and compassion and wisdom and zeal, that stuff's immeasurable. But that's all impacting us all the time, every time. And when we say this stuff, it's because you got to remember, you are the dirt. We're a thousand, we're breathing in a thousand exhalations. Like we're drinking the tears of Jesus and Buddha and stars that exploded before that. And we're drinking the water that Hitler drank and the water of Genghis Khan. And we're eating food that could have one time been someone's defecation or an animal's. Like everything is, nothing's new under the sun. This is just the modern formation of this atomic structure. And everything recycles, everything comes back. The only new thing in reality is revelation, is understanding. Yep. And hopefully can, we can remember those things when we do have them. Right. Because that gets complicated as soon as you try to talk about it. Yeah. But it's remembering that like all energy is atoms. We are all atoms. Everything is atoms. I don't know how antimatter works with that yet. I yeah. need to find a scientist Quantum to, shit. to tell me that. Yeah. I don't know that part yet. Different math. That's part of the I don't know part of the podcast. <laughs> <Word>. <laughs> but understanding that like we are part of everything that exists around us and we need to be responsible for it we need to look out for it we need to be the keepers of it that's kind of what we're trying to explain so social centric was a philosophy born out of a trauma life of andre carpenter we call rudy uh julian robin carey rudy was killed because he was black julian robin carey were killed because they were women and um me and a buddy Andre Young on a drive from St. Louis to Los Angeles started talking about this idea of breaking away from just hyper focus on Eurocentric or Afrocentric, but this idea of social centric. And so, as a philosophy, it is the resuscitation, the healing, and the promotion of oneness, the promotion of the interconnectedness of all relations, of all things, so that we live better and don't hurt each other or the earth. Now, as a approach, if you will, as a science, there's specific techniques, uh, ways of asking questions, using art, the use of interpersonal dialogue, group dialogue, a lot of specific language that does not come out of our academies, doesn't come from the institutions. You know, the empirical evidence is oftentimes, you know, measured or and gatekeeping by imperial institutions. Things that don't want to see the interconnectedness of all things. Right. And kind of how I got involved with stuff is Calvin said, Rowdy, you've got to watch out. You're a communist. And I was like, no, man. I mean, you got most of the letters right. You just forgot the U. I'm, I'm a communalist. Word. Like, like that's that. what I'm looking to do. Like, it's close. But it's not exactly. Like, I'm just learning to look at what we can do to live in community every day a little bit more. I think one thing a lot of people really are going to have to surrender to is the illusion of independence. Mm-hmm. This idea that I'm an independent person and I, I make it out on my own, I hack it out, I'm a rugged individual. <laughs> this meritocracy myth, right? And the reality is that, yo, you got shoes on, somebody made them shoes. You're wearing some clothes, somebody made them clothes. You're on a road, man. Somebody paved that road. Mm-hmm. Somebody's taxes is sustaining that road. Mm-hmm. Man, you washed your ass this morning. That water came from somebody's labor. Mm-hmm. So unless you have been lobotomized, where you no longer have language, you no longer have any memories, mm-hmm. and they wipe everything from your mind, 
drop your ass butt naked off in one of the most rural, remote places on the earth. If by chance you crawl to some safety, learn language, then create shelter and clothing and find a way to feed yourself, then you can call your ass independent. But unless that happens, you're dependent and interdependent and connected to everything. Yes, and understanding that is really important. And the other part of that, too, is like it's funny because I think people get afraid when I say, you know, thousands of hands were part of you having your breakfast. Yup. That's the thing. It also meant thousands of people took care of your ass enough to make sure you had breakfast. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Imagine when Rowdy talks about communalism. So one of the concepts in Social Center we talk about is that this culture of service, mm-hmm. really being of service. So imagine a community with 99, let's say 100 people, mm-hmm. a community of 100 people, and every member of that community is deciding part of their culture is to do one simple act of service for every member of the community, all right? Mm-hmm. Every month, every month, I'm going to do one simple act of service. So like Rowdy's grass needs to be cut. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go over and cut his grass, mm-hmm. right? That uh, tank. You know what? He, 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 you know, he pooped. Let's say Tank is a human, mm-hmm. but he likes to poop, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, in the yard. Tank has Humans been, poop? Yeah, so he's been building a lot of poop up in there. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to go and shovel up some of that poop around mm-hmm. there. Yep. That person over there, you know what? I'm going to go and wash their dishes, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That person over there, I'm going to make them a dessert, mm-hmm. right? That person over there, I'm going to help them clean out their garage. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody in this village of 100 people is going to do one little simple act of service for every person, every month, guess what would happen? Every month, every member of that community will receive 99 acts of service. Mm-hmm. Every month. That's a spiritual economy. Mm-hmm. That's economics. Mm-hmm. That's the idea of labor turning multiple hands. That's what a dollar, what currency represents. Currency meaning flow. It represents someone's labor traveling through a community multiple times. If we were to think about that in a way, Man, we would have spiritual currency with each other. Well, and going even further than that, when we talk a little bit about service and the need for service, and we talk about there's a deficit of spiritual care, spiritual concern, spiritual connection, um, service is the rent you pay for your existence. Like, you need to be doing something for somebody else. Like, if you're just living a you-centered life, you're going to be depressed. I mean, studies show you're going to be depressed. You're going to feel isolated. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to have a lot of, like, mental, like, health issues, uh, trauma. Like, there's going to be so much wrong with you that you feel because you have no connection to something that's bigger than yourself. Right. And it's funny because, again, I'm not telling you to be Christian. I'm not telling you to be Buddhist. Uh, Calvin's not telling you to be Baha'i. Like, we're just saying that there's part of whatever there is to be part of a human uh, and be part of a human existence that has a spiritual dimension to it. One of the easiest non-denominational ways to connect to those things is to do service That's it. for the other living beings on this planet. That's it. That's it. And I'm telling you, that idea of thinking beyond self and recognizing the truth of the interconnectedness of things, that's a spiritual mindset. Within the social-centric philosophy, we have specific language. We refer to that as socio-spiritual. And so at, when we begin, so social-spiritual energy is neutral. It mm-hmm. it's just, just is. Now, social-spiritual energy, when it's weaponized, what we have is distrust. Mm-hmm. You have an angry society. You have a society where people are numbing. 
and mm-hmm. fragmented and scared and addicted, partisan. partisan that are hurt and hurting each other. Mm-hmm. And so when we you turn social spiritual energy in a way that is about compassion and love and joy instead of weaponizing compassion, love and joy, when it's about the purification of compassion, love and joy, we have a more service oriented, we have a society that where people take care of each other. We help each other help each other. Again, that's not an echo. Help each other help each other. Because if we're going to live, if we're going to make it in the world, we have to help each other. Well, the other part, too, if you want to get a sense of kind of what we're trying to think of or where we're going to, where we're hoping to advance our baton towards is, you know, Calvin always says, hurt people hurt people. Imagine there was a world where people didn't hurt each other. And there was no hurt that got reproduced in our neural programming for one another. Imagine you show up in a place where there was no hurt people, so there could be no hurting of people because no one learned how to do these things. Man, that's that sounds like the womb, bruh. That sounds like a really nurturing, loving, helpful place that at, at times will be hard. It doesn't mean that it won't be hard. And people are still going to fuck up all the time. Yeah. So don't think That's no one's going to be hurt. Yeah. Like, don't worry. There's going to be plenty of mistakes. Word. But there's not going to be systemic patterns of uh, harm and and abuse. Shit like genocide and war and, like, oppression. Control. And, like, you know, social engineering. Rape. And, yeah, yeah, you know, like, just a bunch of phobia shit that's just fucking people Are people up. just not, like, like oppressing or taking advantage of someone for their own benefit? Like, they just didn't learn that pattern. Hoarding power, right? Not Sharing doing power. that. Sharing power. So when we talk about this, we mentioned it's a science, it's a philosophy, and we're starting to embrace the fact that it's going to probably be in some forms and fashion a religion. I don't know. I think religion, if you do it in the Latin, it means to, like, rebind, to mm-hmm. reconnect. Mm-hmm. I know people who religiously pay, pay, play baseball. Mm-hmm. I know people who... We religiously brush our teeth. We, mm-hmm. I know people who religiously have healthy habits and destructive habits, right? Mm-hmm. Religion is a, it's a pattern, mm-hmm. right? It's a pattern in life that connects back to some core thing, some framework. The goal of Social Centric, if people have a sort of a religious rhythm with it, is that it eventually becomes obsolete. Mm-hmm. The goal of Social Centric is that we move out of the push-pull violences in the social centric philosophy, we say violence is a pushing, pulling force. It pushes us in some ways, pulls us in other ways. Um, the pull, a lot of times, is the egocentric, mm-hmm. right? It's pulling on us. And the push is some identity-centric thing, mm-hmm. something related to trauma, some related to privilege and oppression binary, right? Mm-hmm. That push and pull of egocentrism and identity-centrism um, is named in social centric philosophy so that we can transcend and move towards ecocentric. Now, as a, what does that mean? My goal is not to create a religion, if no. you will, but there is a religious impulse. <laughs> We're gonna get killed a lot sooner than we expect. Oh, yeah. we no, we, we have a scientific impulse to investigate. Mm-hmm. We have an artistic impulse to express. Mm-hmm. And we have a religious impulse is to reconnect, to rebind, to pattern our life in a way that has a rhythm. Yeah, don't think of it as like a dogmatic view. No. Think of it as more like a spiritual pushing or reaching for, right? right. Because like right. I don't know that any of this stuff is possible without notions like faith, um, like a trust, a belief in something bigger than oneself. 
Like I think when we're talking about some of those things, like yeah. those are the ideas around religion. But like, <laughs> I don't know. If we're gonna take religion and take all the negative things out of it and only use some of the positive stuff, while also balancing the fact that it's a philosophy, like a way of thinking, a way of life. Uh, it's a science, something that we can measure. It's something we can check on. But science pushes us towards understanding the world in this way. When we get on the metaphysical level, the reason our hand does not go through the table is because we believe it won't. Like, that's a scientific thing. Like Phenomenon. Like, right? when you look at light, it's either a particle or a wave based on what you want to find. <laughs> it's either a particle or a wave depending on what you're looking for. Religion was created to be our moral check so we didn't weaponize science. Yes. So we didn't weaponize arts. And then we didn't weaponize just our bodies. And it was meant to be a moral check. And the problem is men historically have weaponized religion, weaponized sciences, weaponized arts. In social-centric philosophy, we call this CBP, Civilization Building Patterns, which are arts, religion, and sciences. And so if you look at water, let's take an element, because arts, religion, and sciences are elements, the human elements. But let's take water. Water can be used to carry beautiful works of art and be used for healing and growing crops, right? Mm -hmm. Or water can be used to carry weapons of war, weapons of destruction, and be used to drown and torture people. Mm -hmm. Do you blame the water? Or do you blame the misuse of the water? Mm -hmm. And so art, religion, and sciences are elements just like that, like water. They are simple tools um, meant to elevate the human condition, to elevate human circumstances. And like we talked about in the old pod podcast, partisanship is the weaponization of those things mm -hmm. in order to fragment humankind, distort humankind, and manipulate humankind. So I think they sort of have an, as much as an idea that we probably have of where we're hoping to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, again, voicemail us about what we're missing, because right. I'm sure we are. Yes. Our next kind of area is what will it take, like, what things do you think we need to get there? Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the things that we said is that it's going to require a lot of new language mm -hmm. to come up with new ways of understanding things, ideas, people. We're going to need much more... Like our pronouns need to be all we-based pronouns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a this story, Abdu'l-Bahá said, one day the word I will be profanity. Mm -hmm. That the word I, as we know it, will literally be profanity. And I'm like, whoa, I just said I'm. But that this concept of realizing the interconnectedness of things. You talked about pronouns, the we. Think about, think about this idea, all right? 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you talk about Google or Uber. Mm -hmm. Uber and Google are now nouns and verbs. Mm -hmm. I, years ago in the early 90s, I drew a t-shirt that said E, the letter E, and then the word racism. And it was E-racism, like erase racism. Mm -hmm. I couldn't copyright it because it was too generic. So now there's all these erasisms literally all over the planet. Yeah. But it was too generic. They said literally... Library of Congress wouldn't copyright it. Too generic. It was not unique. Like at that time, Xerox and Kodak. Yeah. Xerox and Kodak were unique words that could not be, in a sense, stolen or taken because they were unique. Mm -hmm. So Uber and Google were very unique concepts. Mm -hmm. We develop language all the time. Mm -hmm. And so in order for you talk about social-centric philosophy and social-centric communities to develop, this building of new language... Man, that means 
First, we got to also look at the language we're using and how it weaponizes itself, how we weaponize it. Uh, we got to do a lot of healing work. And a big piece of that in Social Centric, we talk about the big fragmentations are racial intersections. Mm -hmm. So racial intersection is how race impacts and animates the way we see every identity all the time, every time. Race is always present, right? Class, gender, mm -hmm. religion, and environmental disruption. Every identity social global issue falls into those pots. Mm -hmm. Racial intersections with all identities. Class, religion, gender, and environmental disruption. Mm -hmm. And when we really start doing that healing work around those concepts, really working across the artificial and as well as superstitious and real lines of difference, mm -hmm. we'll start to develop ideas and answers and build. Well, when you think about that stuff too, where I think we're going to have to rethink time because like our time is a very present-centered orientation. Mm -hmm. Like when we think about time, time's going to need to work linguistically in a way that considers the time before us and the time after us. Oh, you talking some together? That's like indigenous it's stuff. All that stuff. Rowdy, you talking the Dogon and Mali would say that the the past, the present, and the future are all simultaneously occurring. Mm -hmm. That we can access. So really quick, and this is a twisted story. Uh, so in lynching of black folks, they would cut parts of people's bodies off and whatnot, various things, right? So what happened was the movement towards liberation and civil rights started on the ships. Because mm -hmm. a lot of these folks were being taken out of lands referred to as West Africa. Mm -hmm. So what people would do is they would throw themselves to the sharks. They would jump off the ship and just die. Mm -hmm. Because they believed that if they died, that if their body died, their spirit would go back home. Mm -hmm. And they would still live with their families and people and be home. So, But what they did was, in order to keep people on the ships, you would cut off a piece of their finger. Mm -hmm. Or you cut off an ear. Or you cut off a pinky mm. toe or whatnot. So they weren't That whole. if their body wasn't whole, they believed that their spirit would not return. Mm -hmm. So you would mutilate a piece of their body so they wouldn't feel whole. And that that would keep them on the ships. Because in their indigenous beliefs, in the way, many parts of the Yoruba and the Dogon and the, like Mandinka, was this idea that the past, the present, and the future were simultaneously incurring. And a lot of indigenous people here believe that, that they could access their ancestors, mm -hmm. like seven generations to come, mm -hmm. you know, and th this was a way around the world, even in parts of Europe, but that this idea of just the now mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is also a disconnection from reality, you know? And one of the things I've heard of this, as far as a critique that I think of that we can speak to is like when we kind of talk to people about this, they're like, when you talk about indigenous folks and indigeneity, like... And you're like wanting to look at or study stuff. Like they they worry that we get like a little bit like anthropologist about it, romanticizing or like yeah othering, you know. Yeah. Um, so you know I've heard that as a critique. What would you say like to that like notion of that idea? Yeah, I could say we could easily fall into that trap, mm -hmm. real easy, because unless you're living that full fled indigenous life, mm -hmm. everybody on Earth is living a colonial lifestyle right now. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Everybody, unless you're still that way, there's a few places like that left on Earth in South America, parts of Africa, Southeast Asia, but definitely not in these lands called North America. Mm -hmm. You're no one's living true indigeneity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, we could do that real easy, you know, to other and anthropologize, if you will, or pathologize of people. I think because we're so fragmented and 
so colonized and so still historically traumatized that we're just trying to find truth and ways of healing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I could, one thing I could say specifically as a person referred to as black, uh, what we've gone through as African-American people, the, the loss of our language and faith and even our names and even our lands, being stripped of everything. Uh, we are literally the people of soul. And that, that music genre called soul. And I think when humanity goes through this sort of mental, emotional stripping that we were forced to endure. Mm -hmm. I'm not thanking the people that did this to us, but at no. the same time, the resiliency that has been developed out of this has caused, in a sense, this black hole. And I'm spelling that W-H-O-L-E, mm -hmm. hole, uh, standing with this idea of creating a new humanity, a new human race of the earth mm -hmm. and that means where we're interconnected but we're a race created on something infinite versus the finite mm -hmm. so to some degree indigeneity can be romanticized mm -hmm. pull like an anthropologist little pieces and what do they say um, cultural appropriation and stuff mm -hmm. yeah I've seen people do that a lot but this is learning the beauty of indigeneity so that we can leave the horror of indigeneity behind because there was horror Mm -hmm. And then it happened in feudalism, and then it happened in colonialism, and colonialism created racialism, and the one I think that we're in right now is corporatism. Mm -hmm. And that corporatism is trying to go off world, but we're just trying to, and check us, call us, yeah. call us in. When social-centric, we don't say call out, we say call in, mm -hmm. call us back into virtue, call us back into humanity. But we're not here to do a gotcha, we just want to stop dystopia that we're living right now, to not create a utopia, but just a a better reality. Well, and I think too, if you ever feel like we're over romanticizing indigeneity, like when you think about eco communal centric living, it's the best model we have yeah. of what that was and how that would work. Yeah. Does that mean it's perfect? No. Does that mean there's not things that can be improved upon? No. But at the same point in time, when you're going to talk about like, you know, we just, we created a word before we started this podcast, which was anti thistopian. <laughs> you know, because we were like, well, are you going to move to our utopia? And I'm like, well, no, because that seems like it's just a made-up idea. Right. How could some fixed thing be perfect forever anyway? And to all those folks out there that go raw with that, I'd like to just call you in on the faith of cynicism. And what I mean by I'm calling you in, I'm calling you back in to hope. I'm calling you back in to faith. There's a lot of people that have a faith in cynicism. Their faith is in despair. Mm -hmm. Their prayer is nothing will ever change. Their meditation is whatever. Mm -hmm. Like they give their energy of wish, dreaming, to hopelessness. Mm -hmm. So I want to call you back into hope, call mm -hmm. you back into faith. But hope and faith are developed in struggle. A lot of people say, give us some hope. And they want to feel good. They want to numb, right? Yeah. They want to check out of feeling bad. No, real hope and faith comes through struggle, comes through like, earning something new, building something different. Well, and understanding that too is like, remember when we talked about energy? Like, I don't know if we talked about it. Like, we talk about things off podcast and during podcast. <laughs> but there's an energy you give to your thought and spirit. And so when Calvin talks about like, you're giving your energy to whatever, or it won't change, or it doesn't matter. Just because you believe it's true makes that more real. Yes. And so we can't afford you to invest your power into this. Because, like, nobody's completely happy with the way this is going. And that thinking, that energy Roddy's talking about, 
That's prayer. Mm-hmm. When you when you're like, I hope they get hit by a car. That's yeah. a prayer. Yeah. I can't stand that son of a bitch, and I hope that they fall. That's a prayer. Mm-hmm. You know what, man? I you know what? I hope my cousin doesn't get his business off the ground. That's a prayer. And the faith of cynicism is that energy towards visioning. It is that wishing for something that we a lot of times wish for hell. We wish for pain. We wish for this dystopian, this dystopian is so fucked up. And what we're doing is we're actually used to it. We're familiar with the the problem. We're familiar with the pain. And so to like a visualized beauty and a recreation of humanity is like foreign. It it, it feels weird because we don't get the rush out of that. Our opiate receptors aren't feeling good because what we're used to is the faith of cynicism. Well, and I would I would challenge you in what you're saying there as far as like I, I would agree you don't get the immediate feedback, mm. but when you look at loving kindness meditations, right? right? That's true. Um, That's where true. you're like, may you be well, may you um, yeah. be free of fear. May be free of worry. May you be filled with happiness and joy. Right? Like, studies show you practice that. That It's not short-term. It's long-term. And you got to do it for long periods of time. And if you want to get involved in loving-kindness meditations, there's a ton of free ones on YouTube. Go for it. What's what the serenity gonna... prayer they say? God, give me the wisdom. Give me the, the, the ability to change the things I can change. Mm-hmm. The understanding to, to recognize the things I cannot change. And the wisdom to tell the difference, mm-hmm. something like that, yeah. right? But just like, wish for the well-being of all things. Yeah. Wish for the well-being of all people. Like, hope for those things. Uh, if you're gonna, you're investing your your energy in something anyway. Well, the the wishing for the well-being of those that they live at their best humanity, because for the people that are doing harm, mm-hmm. there are people doing harm. There are people that need to be stopped. See, I might argue that's not well-being anyway, though. Well, but in their mind, they've been engineered and tricked into believing they're doing good. Yeah. And so what we have to do is instead of trying to call them out, call them in, invite them in. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm on this kick right now. It's basically kill us or join us. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either going to take us out, you're going to take me down, or you're going to join. And it's like Patrick said, give me liberty or give me death. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea of because so many people are just hurting like and, and 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 killing black folk man and it's like look stop i mean do you know more native folks actually get killed on by, on, on by police mm-hmm. and then the next group is african-americans mm-hmm. but what's going on with like black and native lives and then what's happening with people on the border man you know like it, migrants coming from central america and mexico like and then the just the blatant like destruction of like Arab and Islamic communities mm-hmm. and the way we kill trans folks on the street man yeah. it's like like look you either gonna kill us or you gonna join us in this healing of the world and I don't think you like whoever you are right now can afford to live uh, what Calvin called a lukewarm life anymore anyway no you're not happy you're not connected like <sighs> you're so addicted to this Bleh. Yeah. To, to your numbing patterns. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I love in the New Testament when, you're, when he's, when, and I'm not a big Paul fan, but when he was like, spit it the lukewarm water out of your mouth. It's not even cold. It's not even warm. It's just, mm. but you're living this, like, meh life with your patterns of, like, numbing. You're working, like, 50, 60 hours a week and getting plastered on the weekends. Like, 
like that's what you're investing in yeah like and and i'm not telling you i don't do some of that stuff too i do it differently and i'm working on undoing those things mm. but like stop investing your power i mean you're so damn powerful and there's so much you have to give you can invest that in in an us and a we and a connection to the earth and to the air and to the trees that could be so much more fulfilling. I mean, you can buy something new or you can sit underneath. I mean, we're in Arizona. It is 111 today. Damn. But you can sit still beneath the shade of a beautiful, like, Palo Verde tree and still catch a breeze and still, like, be amazed oh, yeah. by the, like, oh, yeah. beauty of that moment. But what are you investing in? Are you getting like the return on your investment of time and money and effort? Or, or, or is it something that you really don't want? If you really examine your ROI, you're coming up short. Your return on investment. And I think about the sky a lot. And I part of that <laughs> social centric institute mm-hmm. is my nonprofit and we call ourselves Sky. But when I think about the literal sky, you know, and cloud patterns. You'll never see the same cloud pattern again. Mm-hmm. Every time you look at the sky, that is a unique moment of art. And it will never exist again. That's amazing. Just the beauty, the way we can be exhilarated through what has already been created in nature. And when we start to learn to see that in each other's eyes, we start to see the sky in each other's hair. When we start to see the cliffs of the Grand Canyon on each other's shoulders, when we begin to see the pools of the ocean or the depths of a lake or the darkness of the you know cosmos in each other's eyes and each other's smile, when we stop looking at each other as a thing or an other, but we start looking at each other as these beautiful creations of stardust, as nature, it's harder to get mad with each other. It's harder to hurt each other. When you stand and you regard the person in front of you the way you look upon the cream in the Milky Way and a starry sky at night, we begin to regard each other with reverence. And that's a big thing of the social-centric piece is belief. Do we believe in the best in humanity? Mm -hmm. Do we believe in the capacity of a good world? Do we believe that we can treat each other with dignity? It's easy to be right in the wrong. You know? Yeah. To be cynical and you're like, oh, I'm right because it's wrong. Yeah. It's really simple. Like, I mean, sure. That's what you want to invest in. It's funny. I was talking with my friend and he said, what is just as amazing every single time, every time you see it? And I was like, Arizona sunsets. Yeah. <laughs> like every day. Every time. It's just as amazing. Every time. And and we are all just that amazing. But the problem is, is we don't treat each other like that. Calvin and I get to go places and we treat people like the best version of themselves. And most of the time, I mean like high 90s, people respond with, I like that. Yep. Treat me that way. I want more of that. And I will rise to the challenge of being my best self every single time. That's right. And we're doing it with people that don't necessarily want to change. People will like that, that, that say no or when we have to like, Prove them wrong, so to speak. People that have a lot of education and social credibility, right? Like, but <laughs> we're telling them, like, there's this beauty in humanity. There's this connection to something bigger that we could get to. Which takes us to our last point. So people are going to ask us a lot of questions about this. And I don't know. Calvin, do you know? Uh, nope. No. Do we have any idea how to do this? 
No. I mean, we're working on some ways. We didn't wrote a lot of shit and yeah. put down some agendas and yeah. We got some plans, ideas. Yeah, a lot of ideas. But yeah. are they but are they roadmaps? Nope. Could they be wrong? Yep. The easiest thing that you will do if you ever want to like walk a path that looks in this direction is to look at Calvin and be like, I'm following Calvin. Or you look at Rowdy and I'm like, I'm following Rowdy. Man, I'm lost. <laughs> like, don't follow me. You're, you're, we're going to end up like <laughs> way off the path and you're looking at me like, where are you going? I'm like, I don't know, man. You ever see Forrest Gump? Yeah. That fool was running. Yep. And at the end, he's like, I'm, I'm kind of tired, y'all. Uh, yeah. I think I'll go home. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might get tired. I might yeah. sit down. Yeah. You know, and we need Dude, help. We're going to get tired and yeah. we're going to need to sit down. Yeah. We're getting older. Heck yeah. I mean, we own and recognize there's not a, not a lot of people in our 40s doing this work. Yo. And we put the responsibility on ourselves to do it. And I'm about to be a grandpa? Yeah. Shit. Yep. I'm gonna enjoy that. Yeah, you know That's we're gonna beautiful. be on a beach. Yep, you know and go into the mountains and just climb some trees, get some you know marks and cut our knees and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but that saying we're also not done, but we're not realized either. We're trying to walk down a path, and we're not saying we know. We can answer some questions, but other questions we just don't know. And shoot, you might have the question that makes us have a whole new realization. But don't act like we got it figured out. Nope. <laughs> One of the best things that Cal and I connected on is we don't know. And to stop making us gurus. We're not gurus. Yeah, I don't like that. We're not medicine people. Mm. I mean, we try to heal, but I will. Shoot. I think we can call ourselves healers. The thing is, is our bags and processes and medicine of healing is much better and stronger when we're in a community of more healers mm -hmm. when we have more people wanting to work on this healing when we are able to sit in a circle and learn from each other and not be the one that rowdy and i don't get don't get it wrong we've been walking the path for a while and we've been on a lot of different kind of paths mm -hmm. but we are not experts mm -mm. we need community we need people more people willing to risk and to will and willing to do this work in a way that isn't just an event, it becomes a way of life. And with that, this is my official invitation to you, because this marks episode number ten. Wow! I told Kevin, Calvin, Kevin, whoever Kevin is, too. He's maybe Kevin's who I'm talking to right now. Hey, what's up, Kev? Hello, imaginary friend. But this is part of the reason why we're doing this is because. We're so excited that somewhere there's somebody we've never met that's listening. And it's funny because there's a lot of people, I'm sure, that know us that have been listening. Mm. But there might be somebody we don't know that's listening. Yeah. You're like, man, who are these dudes? What are, I wonder what they even look like. They don't know what we look like necessarily. Yeah. And you are somewhere thinking and, and you're connecting to this. And you're excited about this. You're, you're seeing the vision. We're not your guru. You haven't seen us as gurus, so you don't expect us to be gurus. But, like, we need you because you see the world in a beautiful, unique way that we don't understand. Yes. And so when we give out the voicemail line at 860-576-9393, I'm talking to you. Whether I know you or I don't know you, I'm talking to you. I need you to talk to us because... Otherwise, it's it's me, Calvin, and Tank, which, I mean, it's three men already, so you know we're going to fuck it up. 
Yeah, we're three men, and Roddy said you don't know what he looked like. I, I look like Kate Blanchett. <laughs> <laughs> really good looking Kate Blanchett too. <laughs> but we need you to reach out and talk to us. So grab a pen, hold on, like take a second, go get a pen, get a piece of paper, break out your phone right now because you can do it while you're listening to us and type in the number eight six zero. Five seven six nine three nine three. That's emerging evolution. T- title it emerging evolution podcast. Call us. Talk to us regularly. Force us to cut these twenty minutes short so we can include everything you have to say. Mm. So we can live in community with you, because we are not the leaders. We are just two people that agreed to take on the responsibility of putting some stuff out there. So we all can make a better society. And send me an email, Calvin B as in boy dot Terrell T E R R E L L at gmail.com or Calvin at Calvin Terrell.com. We're in a really amazing time as a human race. We have the potential and capacity to have automation and machines do all the grunt work of our society. Like food building things and all the grunt work where we can work on relationships and mental health stuff and healing and doing all kind of things art and our spirit the final frontier or we're at a stage where we're going to have some unimaginable atrocities because there are forces that just want a whole bunch of people to die and it depends on our violence and virtues I really believe when more hands are on deck more humans are involved in the healing, we will reveal the possibility of our civilization. And I think it's beautiful, waiting to happen. And with that, if you want to get a hold of me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net, you can learn more about my organization at inclusiveactivism.com, and you've got socialcentric.com, yes. which is more about like this whole idea in general, Yes, which we're kind of like looking to move towards. And the world is coming, the wind is at our backs, the dominoes are stacking up. It's a tipping point. Yeah. It's a real tipping point. And we can't afford you to be lukewarm anymore. Nope. So get excited. Get off the pot or poop. Yeah. And with that, that's Rowdy calling it a day. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you making it through those first ten with us. I really love you all. Whether you hate me, don't understand me, dislike me, I love you and know that I will die for you. I know my purpose. I am a warrior and a healer, and I'm not an expert, but Rowdy and I both really care and love for you all and uh, help us. May you have peace, may you be full of blessings, and may you find joy and happiness. Blessings.